This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the status of COVID-19 vaccines, the state's legislative redistricting, sports, and the state legislature. Plus, we'll get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the coming legislative session, the state's backlog of firearm owner identification cards, schools, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Illinois is the 10th most restrictive state in the nation when it comes to COVID-19 mitigation, according to consumer finance website WalletHub. Illinois State Representative Tony McCombie's districts near the border with Wisconsin and with Iowa, which ranked number 8 and number 3 respectively for least strict states. Illinois ranked number 42. McCombie said for months, consumers, including herself, have been going to neighboring states. We were going over there for, you know, if somebody wanted to go for a cocktail or if they wanted to go for a meal or if they wanted to go shopping. Consumers will find a way, uh, and they did. She said numbers she's reviewed. The more strict restrictions in Illinois haven't helped the state's COVID-19 death rate compared to neighboring states. What is clear, she said, is the economic damage the mitigations in Illinois have brought. The businesses around um, my area, whether it be a small community like Savannah or Thompson compared to Rock Falls and Sterling um, or in the Quad Cities, they, they just want to be open. While 10 of the state's 11 regions can now allow some indoor dining, meetings are still limited to no more than 25 to 50 people, depending on the region's status, something McCombie said continues to practically block conventions and associated economic activity. Meanwhile, the governor is defending his administration's distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. Republicans are critical. Only a quarter of the vaccine for long-term care residents has been administered. The New York Times puts Illinois near the bottom of all states in getting out at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. Governor J.B. Pritzker Thursday said despite the comparisons, Illinois distributing, it's speeding up. You know, and I've explained before about second doses and making sure people understand the time lag between the time that somebody administers a dose uh, and the time that that dose is reported as being administered. So what's happening is the average number of doses per day that's being administered is going up significantly. Republicans criticize the governor for underperforming other states and for administering only a quarter of the doses meant for long-term care residents. State Senator Steve McClure said it's unacceptable. We want to help. We want to be a part of the process. We know we can do things to help, and yet we're not allowed to. And then when things go wrong, it's somebody else's fault. It's never his fault. McClure demanded public hearings and even audits. We should be able to prod 
and get answers to questions. I shouldn't have to call 50 people to try to get a response about an issue. As of Thursday afternoon, Illinois public health officials report just 1.4% of the state's population is fully vaccinated. While the total number of suicides in Illinois declined from a previous three-year average, preliminary data from the Illinois Department of Public Health shows a 27.7% increase in suicides among black people and 6.3% increase among Hispanic people. There's also been an increase of 7.4% in the suicides of 18 to 24-year-olds and a 2.8% increase of suicides among people 65 and older. Now that high school sports in Illinois have been given to the go-ahead for return, the IHSA has released the official sports schedule for the rest of the school year. Kevin Bessler has those details. According to the plan released Wednesday, seven sports are now allowed to begin practicing to prepare for contests as soon as February. Basketball can also begin preparing for games, but those can only be played in those regions that are in Phase 4 COVID-19 mitigation rules. We're glad to have a plan in place and look forward, again, just seeing our kids back enjoying the experiences of competing against one another, and, and that really is, is the aim uh, of our board. That is IHSA Executive Director Craig Anderson, who said football practices can begin March 3rd and games can begin March 19th in regions that are in Phase 4. There will be no postseason tournament for football this spring. I'm Kevin Bessler. The Illinois House has canceled all but one session day next month. Some feel state government isn't being treated as essential during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Illinois House Speaker Chris Welch canceled all planned session days in Springfield next month, with the exception of February 10th. That's after leaders canceled 70% of their days last year. Republican State Representative Tony McCombie said the government is essential and they need to get back to work. People that are working for IDS, IDPH, uh, for us in Springfield, they need to be in their seats, in their buildings and doing the work of the people, and so do we. Democratic State Representative Maurice West agreed the legislature is essential, and he fully expects to be more engaged than they were last year. Uh, we are a co-equal branch of government, so we are essential. It's just and uh, Speaker Welch said well, the one thing he mentioned that stuck out to a lot of people is that we're back in business, and so it's time to get back to work. The governor Wednesday said he hopes the legislature does get back to work. The sooner the better. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin also called for lawmakers to allow for more work to be done remotely, but he said they should get back to Springfield. Some of the Illinois State House don't feel the state should decouple from the federal income tax code that could cost small businesses hundreds of millions of dollars in state tax liability, let alone there being enough time to do it. The deadline for some small businesses to file their taxes is March 15th. With the Illinois House canceling all but one session day for February, Republican State Representative Avery Bourne said there shouldn't be a last-minute tax code change. Should we get back to legislative session? Yes, but I don't think just to pass the governor's uh tax increase on small businesses. Bourne said there's not enough time to get such a measure through the legislature. Democratic State Representative Mike Zaleski said it's still possible to decouple. I think there's time, uh, although the window has dramatically shrunk. He said with continued uncertainty from Washington for direct state aid, lawmakers are going to have to do something. We're going to have to assume that um, we're, we're on our own when it comes to getting out of this crisis. So decoupling remains as critical as ever. So so we're, we really do have to come up with a plan. The state's current budget Democrats passed assumed billions, not just from direct federal aid that never materialized, but also revenue from last year's failed progressive income tax proposal. Democratic State Representative Maurice West said the state needs to help not hurt small businesses. That's one reason why it was hard for me to uh, wrap my head around the recoupling legislation, because that, that uh, Money is supposed to go to our small business owners in our state, and it's time for us to give them some relief.
And Illinois' local governments could see their revenues cut by the state in order to shore up their own budget. Cole Lauterbach has more. Illinois acts as a tax collector for local governments. Before 2011, each city, town, and village got 10% of all personal and corporate income taxes the state collected, but it was cut nearly in half so the state could use that to fund their own budget that was hobbled by the Great Recession. Illinois Municipal League President Brad Cole is concerned that the legislature will go back to that option for the coming budget that takes effect in July. There are only so many places where the General Assembly and the governor can go to make reductions and we've seen that LGDF is one that comes out usually at the front of the line as a place where they can make cuts. He says the result would be either local service cuts or property tax increases. Governor J.B. Pritzker is supposed to give his budget address in February, but it could be delayed because the General Assembly canceled nearly all of their session days. I'm Colt Lauterbach. The Illinois State Rifle Association says Illinois State Police are operating outside the boundaries of the law and violating people's rights with continued delays in processing gun owner applications. For more than a year, backlogs of processing applications for Illinois firearm identification cards and concealed carry licenses persist. The most recent data through December from Illinois State Police has the average wait time for new FOID cards at 122.5 days, about the same for CCL applicants that provide fingerprints. It's supposed to be 30 days for FOID and 90 days for CCL. Illinois State Rifle Association Executive Director Richard Pearson said individuals' Second Amendment rights are being hurt by the Pritzker administration's continued delays. I think they're operating outside the law. That's pretty obvious. So it's a, it's a real problem for everybody concerned. And uh, so I think they want to solve this problem. We want to solve the problem. So we have to move forward in some way or another. Illinois State Police say emergency rules allow for FOID cards and CCLs to be valid while the backlog's processed, but Pearson said that's not enough. You can't do anything out of state with those certificates. You can't uh, travel with a concealed carry permit. Um, with, with a certificate. In one lawsuit, plaintiffs have filed for an injunction. While the state's motion for some plaintiffs to be removed from the case, citing they've received their cards, Pearson said others have signed on. We are seeing some people uh, find interventions on our lawsuit, which means this same thing happened to me, and so they're welcome to do that. A case in federal court of citizens requesting action against the states pending a response to plaintiffs from the Illinois Attorney General. And Illinois Democrats could have the legislative map drawing process taken away from them this year due to the U.S. Census delays. Cole Lauterbach has that story. Kathleen Stiles, a U.S. Census official, said in a news conference Wednesday afternoon that their already delayed release date of state realignment data is no longer going to be available by July 31st. You should not expect it prior to um, July 30th. If Illinois lawmakers don't have the data to draw maps before June 30th, the state's constitution says an eight-person committee split between Republicans and Democrats draws the map. If they can't agree, a tie-breaking member is chosen out of a hat. Regardless of how it comes out, Ryan Tolley with Change Illinois says it's going to be a drawn-out process. From their warnings today, it does not look like the data is coming in time for the General Assembly to have a say in the process. The delays stem from COVID-19 complications and President Donald Trump's push to stop data collection in October. I'm Cole Otterbach. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up from Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Illinois and Focus's Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my friend and colleague, Dan McCaleb, executive editor. Dan, what is going on? Hey, Chris. Busy week as usual here in Illinois. High school sports are back. The legislature apparently is not. It's late January, which means it's almost February. I think that's how that works, which means it's all in spring. Anyway. I thought we were moving forward here. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, since the uh, inauguration, you know, a lot of a lot of things are changing around sort of the way that we look at COVID and, you know, things are getting back back to being open and in particular in blue states. I've started traveling again and, you know, there's blue states are trying to put the the past behind them. Uh, Illinois being the blue island in the in the middle of the Midwest here. our legislature, however, still not feeling it. No, uh, this week we learned that the Illinois House um, canceled all but one session day in February. Apparently, there's nothing to do. Uh, apparently, apparently there's, not. no, there's no issues that they need to deal with. Um, so that was interesting, um, kind of uh, disappointing because actually, in fact, there are there are some things to do. We still have our current budget, uh, which uh, which ends at the end of June, just uh, a few months away, is $4 billion out of whack. They have to figure out how to close that budget hole. Um, it's not like the Illinois Department of Employment Security is having no issues. Uh, they're they're also closed. You can't go into your local IDES office if you're if you need if you're having issues with your unemployment benefits, uh, things like that, or you've been um, a false uh, claim unemployment claim has been filed on your behalf. Something you and I both know about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like there's not ethics reforms still that need to be done. Um, you still got the uh, ongoing federal corruption probe um, that's taken down a number of lawmakers, including uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan losing his leadership. Excuse me, former House Speaker Michael Madigan losing. That's going to take some position. getting used to. Yeah. I, I think you'll get a you'll get a pass on that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to speak Madigan's name without saying House Speaker. He's he'd been in that position for decades. Um, so I don't know what not having session in February. What does that? What do you think about that? I, 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 it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, at this point in time, there's a there's there's too much to do. B as a world, we've already figured out a way to move on. So the the the, the fact that the legislature can't work while the rest of of us can work, have found ways to work, create ways to keep business going, continue to innovate and and utilize technology um i mean maybe i should tell my kids that they just can't go to school and it's like i'm sorry you just can't go to school because this is too complicated i mean it just doesn't in my mind make any sense that the legislature can hide behind covid and not do the people's work it, it just that's it's it's a it's offensive frankly one of the things we've talked about consistently on this show is the the, the one-person COVID-19 task force who's making all these decisions himself. Of course, I'm talking of Governor J.B. Pritzker with no checks and balances from the legislature. In addition to canceling you know, all but one day in February, they, they canceled 70% of their session days last year. You know, essentially when we got to mid-March, you know, they, they worked in February, they worked in early March, they got to mid-March, they canceled all but, you know, the final two to three days of the legislature where they, 
they had constitutionally uh, to pass a budget. So they had to get back to work uh, for a couple of days, passed the budget last year. A budget that's for that we've now found is four billion dollars out of whack. Um, they're supposed to be in session now, and they're they're canceling February. I said take taking February off. So Dan, for the for the benefit of people that I mean, and you know, you, you and I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, looking at state government, uh, not only here in Illinois but uh, around the country. I mean, it's it's a, the mechanics of it are fascinating. Um, but but for most people, the the, the you know the inner workings of state government is just like, yeah, whatever. And they have a hard time getting engaged in it. Help to make sense of like sort of how we are, where we are at this point with this legislature, with regard to them just simply not working. I mean, it's like, I think that that's probably the biggest, that's I mean, in, in my mind, it's, it's the biggest story in Illinois period. Our state legislature has basically taken the last year off. I mean, we're only a, a couple of days away from February. We're taping this on Thursday. We're only a couple of ways, a couple of days away from February. And our legislature effectively stopped going to work in March of 2020. Give me a second here. I'm ripping February off my wall calendar. Just, <laughs> I'm just going to jump straight to March. Um, Right. And in legislatures around the country have worked in 2020, worked in, in fact, many of them called special sessions because there was work to be done because of the government restrictions uh, on businesses that led to economic downturns, to, led to lower tax revenues. So legislatures, na Illinois' neighbors, legislatures, um, legislatures across the country knew that they had work to do because of COVID-19, went back to work last year, are getting back to work this year. For some reason in Illinois, lawmakers apparently are okay with Governor Pritzker setting all the rules, are okay with a, a budget that's $4 billion out of balance. I, I, I think maybe they're still hoping on the federal government to, to, to bail them out. I, I, it's, you know, hopes and dreams don't, don't amount to, to the work that needs to be done. And, and the budget, while the budget is a major a uh, major thing that gets done, get done, and we're actually talking about two budgets because right. we're talking about this year's budget and then next year's budget. Um, if this year's budget is four billion dollars out of whack, um, then next year you're automatically starting next year with a budget that's going to be th that much out of whack, unless they start making significant decisions about what they're going to cut back on. Of course, this legislature is probably going to talk about tax increases, even though we've had tax increase after tax increase after tax increase foisted upon us. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and that's just one of the, the major issues. Why is the legislature not checking uh, the Go Governor Pritzker's uh, mitigation efforts uh, for COVID-19? Why, when you in the midst of this federal corruption probe, when you've had lawmakers uh, uh, indicted, arrested, and the lobbyists connected to lawmakers uh, indicted, why are they not talking about ethics reform? This thing, this is a, more than a year in the making, and the legislature hasn't taken one step. Uh, towards uh, ethics reform. Well, what is Governor Prisker? I mean, you 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 brought his name into the conversation. It's hard to not talk. It's hard to talk about Illinois and to not talk about J.B. Pritzker. Obviously, he's the governor, but this has been a one-man show for almost an entire year. What has he said recently regarding the legislature and the legislature getting back to work in a meaningful way? Well, he said he's want he. He has said he wants the legislature to get back to work. However, 
you, you, what he says and what he does are sometimes two different things. He's had the ability before this legislative session started, he had the ability to call special sessions at any moment last year. He declined to do that. Um, I, I think he likes the power the legislature essentially handed has handed to him, and and he's okay. Even though he says he wants the legislature back, he seems to be okay with their lack of working. It just doesn't make any sense. I, we're I think I you know obviously there are a lot of people that are out there that are that are suffering in in very literal ways. Uh, this gap in legislative action activity thought is going to is going to hurt the state of Illinois for many years to come. I mean it it just does it's not a light switch. You just don't turn government on, turn government off. You know, I mean for our small business owners and people are out there, this is why government doesn't understand why you're you're like literally ready to climb the walls because they feel like you can turn it on and turn it off at, you know, with the flick of a switch. It's this makes absolutely no sense. It's dis- it's not disruptive. It's destructive. You, you know, there was there was a time not too, not too long ago where I would have said, legislature doesn't want to go to work. That's actually a good thing because some because right. many times they do more more harm than good. I think but you what, have said things like that. I, just I, to, I, just to be clear, <laughs> I, pro- I probably have. But if the, if we need the legislature back to work at any time, it's now. We're now a year, almost a full year into this pandemic, and they've done nothing. Nothing to check the governor's powers. Uh, the, the, the symptoms of a government that uh, that's kind of taken the day off and and taken that day off uh, for however many days in a row. I mean, you talked about IDES and uh, and of course IDES, which compounded it for them. They've been besieged with with fraudulent uh, unemployment claims. So <laughs> that that's a mess. Uh, it's a mess that that you would think that the state legislature would would involve itself in. But even as as you kind of peel back the layers of everything that's connected with the state, but even in something that I would say is as relatively simple as processing a FOID card, it's a relatively simple. I mean, I don't like it. I, in fact, I I would, I would be in a group that would argue the constitutionality of FOID cards, fire own, firearms owner ID cards in Illinois, which makes us unique uh, in the country. But they can't even get the FOID cards out. And there is demand. Of course, there is there is increased demand because more people are requesting FOID cards now than have requested them in, in years past. It's not an excessive amount. And over the period of time, you know, in which the pandemic has caused people to, to think about whether or not they would want to own a firearm, potentially, uh, certainly there's been an increased interest in gun ownership in the past 10 or 11 months. But how come the, the state of Illinois can't even get a can't get, get the, the cards that they demand that you have? They can't get them to you. It's nonsensical. As of last week, um, there was a Illinois State Police had a backlog of 175,000 new FOID card applications. Okay. And a backlog of 25, more than 25,000 um, uh, licenses for concealed carry permits. So they, they've got a backlog of uh, 200,000 applications. This has been ongoing essentially since the beginning uh, of the pandemic. Um, uh, they, they, they can't catch up. They're not putting new people on these applications. Um, and, and the legislature, by deciding not to work, is not addressing anything.
you know, I guess if you're a parent, um, well, I shouldn't say I guess if you're a parent, if you are a parent and, and you've been dealing with remote public school learning this year, you know that it is a flaming dumpster fire. And there's really no other way to put that. I, I, forgive me for not being more eloquent or having other words that I could use to describe it. Now, with the vaccine available and with teachers supposedly being pushed up the ladder to get back into school. Some schools are not going back to full in-person or even doing a hybrid in-person. And, and, on, and, and on, you know, to compound that, the, they, there has been no real advance with regard to the technology that they're using. And I think, not to get into Representative Blaine Willauer's head, uh, what he's hearing from his constituents is driving him with, you know, to, to create a new piece of legislation that's aimed at making public schools pay <laughs> parents or families back for the time they're putting in to try to make this trash fire education process work. Could you articulate that in words that actually make sense for the benefit <laughs> of the, the audience? I'm trying to process this because it's like, I would like to divorce myself from the from the you know from the uh, from the interpersonal uh, realities of remote learning, and I, and I can't. So I will stop talking. I would like you to, to to talk about this story and what's going on here because I'd like to I'd like to calm down for a second. How about that? So yeah, many many school districts have been 100 percent or close to 100% remote learning since last March. So the end of last school year, everybody knows this. So the end of last school year and the first semester of this school year, and now even into late January, the start of the second semester, uh, either 100% remote or, um, you know, close to 100% remote. There are some school districts that have uh, hybrid models. And of course, there are many private schools that are full uh, in-school learning. Well, parents of elementary school kids, parents who have jobs, you, as you said, we've called it a dumpster fire. Remote learning has been a dumpster fire. A good way to phrase it. Working parents who have young kids who need help with remote learning because the technology doesn't work or there, there's interruptions in the, in the technology, or it's just a, it, it's a much harder way to learn. Um, parents are having to make tough decisions. And some of that cases, in fact, we have a colleague right here in Illinois who decided to take the, their kids out of the, his kids out of the public school system and put them into private school because he couldn't work. He couldn't support his family if he didn't work. And the only way he could work was having them go to in school. So he's having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to put uh, his children into private school. And uh, Representative Blaine Wilhauer, through a bill that he filed, um, he thinks those kinds of parents, our colleague and thousands of others like him, are still paying taxes, high taxes, mm -hmm. high property taxes to these school districts. Uh, Representative Wilhauer's bill um, would, would force the state to issue vouchers to those families to reimburse them for those expenses because public schools, not all public schools, but many public schools um, are refusing to go back to school to open their schools up to students. Um, and I think it's a great bill. I don't know if it's got much of a chance, but yeah, uh, our colleague, and as I said, thousands of others like him are paying thousands of dollars in property taxes to their school district and also having to pay thousands of dollars in tuition. So they're, Kids can go to school in person to private to a private school, um, so that they can work and support their family. It's uh, it, it's that that is that is a, a mess. I mean, and you know, 
when you pull back and you take a look at the country as a whole, education is one thing, you know, under the broad umbrella of, of COVID and COVID mitiga- mitigations that, uh, that just, it isn't working. And it's, I would say in places where they are using remote learning, it's universally not working. Um, the, the effects the kids I think are starting to materialize, uh, had a conversation, uh, with a, a child psychologist that I know talking about, um, just different mental health issues that are occurring within within children now, and those numbers being uh, exponentially greater now. I mean, like exponentially greater now uh, under this under this model. Um, a lot of what we've tried to do in Illinois around the mitigation of COVID has effectively failed. Um, the one column that would matter the most on that stat sheet would be deaths. We in the state, uh, in the state of Illinois, have not fared better than the states around us that have had looser restrictions. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, you know, I know that the the, the the team from the Center Square um, had uh, had picked up the data point from Wallet Hub this past week. Can you share the findings from that report? Yeah, it's 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 really quite remarkable, and and again, sad, goes to what we talked about with Governor Pritzker being a one-person show uh, with the legislature completely being hands-off during COVID-19. So um, what WalletHub did was they ranked um, the states based on restrictions. Illinois had the 42nd, or essentially had the the ninth or the 10th um, most restrictions during the the COVID-19 pandemic, meaning um, more restrictions on restaurants. Restaurants have been closed for many months um, uh, during the pandemic, Um, not allowed to have uh, uh, in-restaurant dining. Um, Now, many of those restrictions just loosened up in the past week or so, but for months during the pandemic, you couldn't open your restaurant, right? Many many other businesses the governor deemed non-essential for for months during the pandemic couldn't open their doors, and when they could open their doors, they were put under these outrageous um, capacity limits, you know, 25% capacity, um, things like that. So Wallet Hub study ranked Illinois as the um, eighth most restrictive state in the country when it came to come to those COVID-19 things. Neighboring states, uh, such as Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin had the eighth least uh, restrictions. Iowa had the third least restrictions. Missouri had the seventh least restrictions. Now, when you compare those rankings, uh, Illinois came in at 42. So you had Iowa was third least, Wisconsin eighth least. Missouri 7th least, Illinois 42nd least, which means one of the most restrictive. But if you look at the death rates um, from COVID-19 in those states, uh, among those states, even though Illinois had far and away more government-imposed restrictions on its populations, on its businesses, uh, Illinois had far and away the most deaths per 100,000 residents. Illinois, most restrictive of those states I mentioned, 163 deaths from COVID-19 per 100,000 population. Um, Missouri, which I said was the seventh least restrictive, 106. 106 deaths per population, or per 100,000 population, compared to Illinois' 163. Wisconsin, eighth least restrictions, also 106 deaths per 100,000 population. That's compared to Illinois' 163 Mm -hmm. deaths per 100,000. Iowa, um, now, I was a little bit higher, but still less than um, 
Illinois, Iowa with the third least restrictions compared to Illinois' 42nd least, meaning among the highest, 148 deaths per 100,000 people from COVID-19 compared to Illinois' 163 deaths per 100,000 population. Well, cl- clearly we must have a, a, you know, a more lethal form of COVID-19 here um, that, that, you know, than they have in those states. Yeah, when you cross the border, it just gets um, that, that, that much more deadly, apparently. Um, but seriously, clear, clearly the mitigation efforts that Governor Pritzker on his own has taken did not work have not worked, are not working. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's an issue. I mean, I mean, we talked about the legislature earlier uh, in the, in the, in the podcast and um, you know, the, the connective tissue to, to all this is, is, is the, the one man show that's, that's running this state. And, it, and it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting what his ultimately what his legacy is as governor. And these are difficult times. There's no question of that. This is a tough time to lead. Um, but I mean, think about it. And just in terms of like, I mean, look, Dan, I mean, you, you've been, a, you've been a, a, a journalist foremost, but a manager and a leader in the field that you're in, what have you ever done on your own that has worked out better ultimately than doing it collectively with other people on your team to build better plans, better ideas, more implementable strategy Going it alone versus doing it as a team. It, it, it's it's always got to be a collaborative effort. Just I mean, as an example, here in Illinois, we have a daily morning uh, meeting of the uh, Illinois Center Square staff where we we brainstorm story ideas. We talk about what what should we do because there's there's so much going on on in Illinois. Um, there's uh, you know a hundred stories we could cover a day. We can't cover hundred stories a day. So it's a collaborative effort. We decide what we should be reporting on. Um, who we should be talking to, what questions, what tough questions we should be asking. Um, and the more heads, the better. Uh, a one person, essentially dictator type of, of model has proven it doesn't work in business, in government, you just in, in anything that you do. Yeah, it's sad. One person does not know everything um, and does not have all the answers. Talking to some people from out of town, um, you know, who haven't seen uh, the city of Chicago recently, uh, haven't been visiting, you know, to Illinois recently. They're, they're like, well, what's it like there? I'm like, well, I mean, the city is still largely boarded up. Um, you know, if you walk around the loop, there's a lot of nothing going on. Uh, if they were going to film like a post-apocalyptic movie, you wouldn't have to do a lot of set design. Uh, in Chicago right now, I mean, you could virtually just sort of pick a street, any street, and you could shoot that film right there. Um, in the in the kind of in the backdrop of of everything that you know, sort of that we think about as being relevant to, to in particular the city of Chicago, but but Illinois as on the whole, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a tourist it's a tourist city, it's a world city, and, and Illinois, I mean, benefits from the fact that Chicago is a world city. The hotel industry in Chicago specifically, but across the state of Illinois, is really in, in bad, in bad, bad, bad shape. What's yeah, going on with regard to just simply and maybe like let's start with this with the stats of this and just talk about this. What's like what put this into some context? So, so uh, 
in, in Illinois in particular, but this is true for for uh, other states around the country too. The travel restrictions um, that were put in place during COVID nineteen in Illinois and, and elsewhere, I mean, it, it essentially shut down the hotel uh, industry uh, for long stretches in twenty twenty, and it's continuing here um, uh, in in twenty twenty one. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to open up. So like convention season, that's one of the things that's killing Chicago hotels. Chicago being, you know, a destination city um, for travelers and for conventioners um, hasn't had conventions since March. Um, that just devastated the hotel industry. Uh, the hotel industry overall uh, is expected to remain about 500,000 jobs below its below its pre-pandemic uh, peak. That's that's 500,000 people who support their family because. Governor J.P. Pritzker is not allowing, um, you know, hotels to host to host more than a certain number of people. Well, conventions are hundreds, in some cases, thousands right. of people. They drive economic activity. They, it's not just the hotels that benefit from these conventions. It's local restaurants. It's local entertainment venues. Um, it's local, um, you know, taxi cab companies, um, sure. Uber, Lyft, things like that, so people can get around. Um, it's just devastated the industry, and at some point, they can't continue to, to keep these, these losses. Once we get past the pandemic, it's going to be scary to see you know, how many of these hotels are still going to be in business. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a sad. It's a sad state of. It's a sad state of affairs, and 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 I mean, you know, the restrictions they make people they make people afraid, right? I mean, you start laying the restrictions out the way that we've laid the restrictions out, it just makes people afraid. It makes people afraid to just to live their lives, and part of living your life is going to other places. I mean, we have largely, although there's no order to shelter in place. But the way that the mitigation rules are set up and have been set up in Illinois, you've effectively been told to shelter in place. If you leave the state, there's protocols for what you're supposed to do when you come back. Um, in terms of like just tra- traveling for business, I mean, they've, they've scared businesses from being open in some cases. The restaurateurs and the hoteliers who have fought their way through this, my word, Kudos to you. I mean, I, I wish I could give you something more than that, because you've found a way to make you found a, made a way to make it work. Um, but the but the rules and the restrictions, I think, are driving this fear, which is perpetuating the demise of businesses that rely on people not to congregate in large groups necessarily, although it has done nothing good for the convention business, but even in just in smaller groups, groups that would be appropriate. We've scared people away. Yeah, the, the way the media uh, uh, has treated COVID nineteen, and the way people like Governor Pritzker, you know, at their news conferences, um, you know, essentially, as you said, scare people into wondering whether or not they should be active and do do things. Um, so even even without the restrictions, there are a number of people um, who are scared because of the way the media and you know people like governor pritzker um have scared people are that 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 they're going to take their time getting back to traveling um you know retired people who are a little bit older who COVID 19 affects they've been scared into staying in their homes well i mean you know i wanted to talk about this earlier when we were talking about schools but it's a very different side of the whole school story you know so even while some schools are you know not 
going into you know into in-person classes uh and continue to, to to be remote and of course you know we're 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 watching this evolving story with the Chicago Teachers Union and and what and what it is that you know that they may or may not do. Um, stay with the center square for that. Um, high school sports is they're they're back, and it's sort of like that's interesting. How, how I mean it's overdue. I mean it's crazy overdue. But how 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 is that how is that coming back online? And what's going on there? I'm speaking specifically with IHSA level sports. Yeah, the, the Illinois High School Association announced on Wednesday um, with the decreased mitigation efforts, met most of the regions uh, in the state, um, finally loosening up. Um, so, so we have a bit of good news here to talk about um, finally. Uh, Illinois High School Association announced Wednesday, we're taping this on Thursday, that uh, you, a number of sports are coming back. We're going to actually this thing seems to change daily, certainly weekly, but we're going to have boys uh, and girls high school basketball starting practices could resume uh, effective yesterday. Um, ga- actual games can be, can be played starting uh, in a week or so. I, uh, swimming also is coming back. Uh, uh, cheerleading dance, boys and girls, bowling, gymnastics, badminton. Um, even, even there's a, there's a, a plan put in place where we can play football, which normally is played in the fall. Football can be played um, uh, beginning March 19th. Games can play. Now it's going to be interesting to see how in the real world that's actually going to work. How can, for example, football coexist simultaneously um, with, with basketball and baseball, because baseball is also coming back when the athletes, uh, you know, because they're generally in different seasons, different times of the year, you know, the, athletes who play football some of them also play basketball some of them also play baseball so i'm not sure how it's going to work but the ihsa at least you know announced that there's going to be uh, a schedule for all of these sports and i hope um i i I hope that is maintained i hope uh, these student athletes can get back to to competition to can get back to practicing with their teammates I've, i've actually seen on facebook that a number of high schools basketball teams have started practicing already mm-hmm. um, uh, so that's encouraging and uh, hopefully it's just not pulled back we'll be a little bit different however right i mean you sure. know the bat, bat well i mean for you know and not just in the way that the games are played and um you know i, I'm not, I don't want to pull you into the whole well you know our kids going to wear masks when they're doing x every sport's different every sport's nuanced and i would think that there there will be you know just well, there will be different different approaches to to how the kids are are uh, properly PPE'd uh, for, for these games. But no state basketball championships, no um, obviously no football championships uh, either. Uh, but they will get they will get to play. They get to play. There'll be limited number of fans allowed uh, to watch uh, them play. Um, but at least the athletes themselves, these the high school age kids, you know, who, many of whom missed entire seasons uh, in 2020, beginning way back in um, in March when the basketball tournaments were canceled then, and uh, baseball was canceled, and girls soccer was canceled. Um, heading into the fall when football was canceled, at least they'll get to compete because we because right. sports is an outlet for these 
kids who have a lot of energy or whatever. And and, and you mentioned mental mental illness, uh, 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 mental health when we were talking about schools being closed and how that impacts kids. With, with, with having no sports, having not having that outlet, that physical outlet um, has hurt a lot of kids too. So it's encouraging that they're at least going to be able to to practice and play in some number. A reduced number at that, just because of the season's been shortened, um, number of games. It's I, and that's and that is a good thing, and it, and it's 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 nice to have a little bit of good news amidst all of what else we've had to talk about today. Um, Dan's always a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy it as always, Chris. Thank you, Dan. It would be remiss on my part if I didn't give a shout out to James R., who became our most recent supporter of our work. You may not know this, but the center square is part of the Franklin news foundation, a 501 C three nonprofit supported by generous gifts from the public. If you would like to support the commentary, the news that we deliver every week, you can simply go to anchor.fm to the Illinois focus podcast and select support. And you could give it any level you'd like. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus Crosstalk segment, commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, we get closer to the governor's scheduled State of the State and budget address, and it's still not clear how that'll be delivered with ongoing COVID-19 concerns and the House having canceled session days for next month. We'll also continue to track the state's COVID-19 vaccine distribution and the continued impacts the government mitigation is having on the state's economy. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.